Let's go. I love it. Glad you guys are here. I want to say hello right now to everyone who's watching online. Thanks for being with us. We are under a storm warning right now, but we're still having church. We don't stop. We don't quit. We're bringing the word today. So glad you guys are with us. I want to say hello to all of our campuses who are tuned in with us as well. Thanks for uh, bearing the weather. Thanks for those who are still with us online as well. And so we're grateful for you guys. So it's, uh, it's going to be a crazy one today. So we're already prepared. If it goes out, we're still, I'm still preaching. All right. So we're just going to go through it. Either way, so we're good. So I'm excited about today's message. You know, we've been talking about the end times. And I mean, God's kind of putting an exclamation point on my sermon today on the end times. And so he's like, da-da. Uh, it's pretty crazy. But today I want to talk about how bad will it get, right? That's what people are always wondering, like, what's actually going to happen? Well, like, how bad is it going to get? So we're going to unpack that today. And we're going to talk about how we can thrive in the middle of chaos as well. And so I love this quote. It's from Billy Graham. He said, I believe that this world, as we know it, will come to an end. This is not fanciful imagination, but the clear and repeated testimony of the Bible. And so I really believe that too. And I believe we're in the end times. So I'm going to unpack some of the reasons why today. But, you know, if you didn't, if you weren't here last week, make sure you download our app and, and get the message from last week. It sort of lays the foundation for everything else we're going to do today. But now we're going to dive into actually the book of Revelation. And so it's interesting that this book... The book of Revelation is the only book where the author says, if you read it, you will be blessed. He said this, Revelation 1, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. So you are blessed by reading the book of Revelation. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to start off looking at book of Revelation, uh, mainly in chapter uh, 13. But how bad will it get for Christians in the end times? You guys ready to go? All right, we're going to dive right in. So it says in Revelation chapter 2, fear nothing in the things you've, you're about to suffer, but stay on guard. So it says, don't be afraid, but there is going to be suffering in the end times. So it's very, very clear about that. But did you know the Bible says, do not be afraid 365 times, which means there's not one day this year you should be living in fear. You can trust God. He's got you. Even on a day like today, God has you. So just don't be afraid. So, all right, let's dive right into some of the crazier parts. Revelation chapter three, uh, sorry, chapter 13 says this. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns and seven heads with 10 diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshiped the, the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given, to, to, given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written in the book of life and the lamb who, uh, of the lamb who was slain. So did you catch that last part? So there's going to be a beast. It's going to get really bad. But you and I who are Christians aren't here for it. We are already in heaven. That's good news, right? So now if you've not accepted Christ, I highly recommend you do so. So that you don't have to face what's called a, a post-rapture faith. Because if you, have, if you become a Christian after the rapture, 
means you're not, you don't ascend up to, to, to heaven when Jesus comes back to get us. So like maybe you, you've not made the decision, you wait, then the rapture happens, you know, all these people that you used to know are no longer here. You stumble across, across this message. You grab your, you know, crazy aunt who's always preaching. You grab her phone and realize she was right after all. And you find that Church Unlimited app. You find this message and you're like, oh my gosh, this was said that this was going to happen. Well, now if you become a Christian, which I do recommend you become a Christian, now you're going to have to face the turmoil of the tribulation, which is where the beast is going to demand that you worship him and, and take the mark of the beast. And you have to stand against that. And, and uh, you'll go through all kinds of persecutions because of that. So first thing is this, number one, you will be persecuted for believing in Christ. Now, I want to mention this, though. We are already being persecuted for being believers. So this doesn't mean this is going to be something that suddenly happens, but rather it's going to be ramped up even greater than it is today. So one of the ways we know the end times is coming is that persecution has ramped up. It's already happening, okay? And so that's one of the realities. But I want to now give you seven statements about the beast to help you understand what that actually means, okay? The first is this. The beast is given his power from Satan himself. Did you catch that in the scripture? It says the dragon gave his authority to the beast, okay? The beast represents a godless man, okay? And also the beast will, will preside over an evil government system. This is why Christians care so much about how you vote because it's going to be a governmental political leader who will become the beast or otherwise known as the antichrist, Okay, and so that's one of the reasons why we care so much about how we vote. This is also why we are always protective about Israel, because Israel, um, so goes Israel, so goes the world, because in the end times, Israel is overtaken and overrun. Okay, and so this is, we're the only country really, the, we're the only superpower that defends and protects Israel. And once we are no longer a superpower, which we are on our way to not being a superpower, if that were to happen, Israel will be, will be vulnerable. Okay, and so that's one of the reasons why we always, I always ask the question about politicians, what are their thoughts on Israel? That's one of the messages, but anyways, that, that's one of the big points. So the seven heads and 10 horns represents a coalition of nations rising to power. This is why one of the signs I mentioned last week was that when you see China and Russia and other countries uniting, what they all have in common is they hate us. And one of the things that comes with hating us is hating Israel. Okay, and so that's one of the first things I noticed. Also, these beast nations will subdue all other nations. Okay, and then the beast will emulate Christ by quote unquote rising again from a mortal wound. Now, we know that Satan does not have the ability to, to, re, to raise anyone from the dead. He does not have that kind of power. But this, this leader will take on some kind of wound. They'll be wounded. will think that he's going to die. Then he'll come back. And to strength, to full strength, and they'll be like, wow, look at him. He rose again. So you see what they're doing. They're, they're, they're setting up, they're emulating Christ. And so it's basically a false Messiah. One of the reasons why I believe this is so closely tied to politics, think about it. Have you noticed how people feel about their favorite candidate? I mean, it is like worship. And so we have sort of messianized our candidates. And like, oh, they're going to save our country. They're going to save us from this or that. And so that's one of the big problems. I don't care which aisle, side of the aisle you're on, right? So that's a big issue. So the beast will emulate Christ by rising again, quote unquote. And then the beast will demand to be worshiped and will punish all believers who refuse. See, the beast will be 
attractive to people. People be drawn to him like, oh, man, this is a wonderful guy. Look what he's done. He came out of nowhere and, you know, he was going to die. And now he, 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 he's, he's come back to, to strength again. And so, man, we, we just want to honor him. And wow, what a, what a Cinderella story is how people will feel about the beast. Don't let the word beast confuse you. I believe this person, this guy will be incredibly attractive. You'll be drawn to him. And so this will be someone you'll, be, you'll look up to. People will be inspired by this person. And so believe it or not. Now this goes along with Daniel chapter 7. Daniel actually has a vision of the end of the world where, where John, the one, John's called John the Revelator, which means he wrote Revelations. John has a prophecy of the end of the world, but it's amazing how both of these go together so well. Look what Daniel said in, in chapter 7, verse 8 of Daniel. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little horn, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Again, this will be someone who will inspire people. Now, um, there's two people that come to mind today that, that fit this profile. I do, I'm not saying they're the Antichrist. I'm just saying they fit the profile. Now, over the years, theologians and end times uh, prophecy teachers have studied this for years. And, and there's been all kinds of people who they thought may be, you know, the Antichrist. I mean, back all the way, they thought it was Nero at one point because he, he was persecuting Christians like crazy. Um, then fast forward in time, you know, Hitler was clearly someone that people thought was the Antichrist. Mussolini was the same way. I mean, there's been people all along the way. The closest two that I believe in modern times could fit the profile would be Zelensky from Ukraine and uh, Mohammed, I always get his name wrong, uh, what is it? Saudi Arabia? Oh, I have it right here. Um, Mohammed bin Salman. And so those would be the two closest. And, and now, Please don't leave here and say, Pastor Bill said Zelensky is the Antichrist. No, I did not. I did not say that. <laughs> Do not quote me like that. I did not say that, okay? But here's why I think these two guys, one of them could potentially be, I don't think they are, but, but this is the kind of people I would look for. They are both loved and adored, okay? And so, now this doesn't mean just because you're popular with the Antichrist. I'm not saying that. But the other thing, did you notice in Daniel 7, it says, a smaller horn will come out of the beast and the three larger horns will be displaced from it. Well, three larger horns, in my opinion, would be what? America, China, and, um, sorry, and Russia, right? So those would be the three larger nations. So, uh, by the way, America is not even in the end times. There is no scripture that supports America even being a player in the end times. I believe we are going to implode on our own. In fact, I think we're already seeing that happen right now. In other words, our nation is weakening itself. Our biggest threat to our nation is us. Does that make sense? So we are literally imploding ourselves. I could do a whole sermon on that, but, you know, I would say check back to last week's message. I talked about this a little bit. But, but so what's happening now is that I believe it's going to be a smaller nation that, that a leader comes from. And let me tell you why. Think about it. Jesus came from where? Bethlehem. So if you're emulating Jesus, you're not going to come from some rising power. You can come from some small place in the middle of nowhere. They're like, oh, look at this guy. Man, he's so awesome. He's just a little lowly person. And look how inspiring he is. They'll be that kind of, kind of leader. And so what's interesting about Zelensky is that all world leaders just ba- literally go and bow to this guy. I mean, they just think, oh, he's such a wonderful guy. And because uh, we've made victims now heroes. And so he's the ultimate world leader victim because his country's been attacked by big, big, mean Russia. And I'm not suggesting that's not bad because Russia's clearly what their leader's doing is evil. But let's not pretend that Ukraine is a bastion of integrity. 
And so uh, there's been a lot of corruption for many years going on there. And Zelensky has been a part of some of that too. And so I'm not trying to make you mad here. I'm just saying, if you study it, you'll realize, you know, like, for example, um, the, uh, the press that was, that was questioning him and critiquing him, he went in and shut them all down. And so, I mean, that's, that's like a dictator. That's what dictators do. They're like, oh, I don't like what you said to say. We're going to shut your news down. And so that's, you know, very common. It's starting to happen here too. But that's just one example. But Ben's, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, even more strikes me as someone who, the potential, because number one, he's from the Middle East. Um, although we believe theologians believe it's either Eastern Bloc or Middle East that it could come from. And uh, I find it interesting that Tim LaHaye wrote the books Left Behind. Anybody know what I'm talking about, Left Behind series? Um, their angle was it was probably going to be Eastern Bloc countries, which Ukraine is one of those. And so that's why they named the, the fictional character that they thought was Antichrist Carpathia, which is interesting because you know where Ukraine is? You know it's located in Ukraine? The Carpathian Mountains. So it's just interesting what's going on here. Just to watch, it's like, hmm, okay, this is interesting to watch. So um, again, may not be, just throwing it out. Um, but the Saudi prince um, seems more attractive to me on this because he's brought great reforms to his people. He's modernized them. Uh, so people really look up to him. But he also literally slaughtered his biggest critic. I mean, he literally, limb by limb, cut the man apart. Um, it, it's unbelievable. And he has faced no crimes for that at all. In fact, our, our leader went over and, and uh, fist bumped him. Like, yeah, man, you're the guy. Like, this guy literally killed someone like several, like six months before, uh, brutally. And everyone knew it. And so it's just pretty crazy. So, but hey, not just American leaders. I mean, worldwide. Why? Because they have so much oil. So people go over and just kind of give them what they want. And so I think either one of these leaders are well-respected, even when they've done atrocities. And so I think that either one could be the case or it could be neither of them. You just don't know. Okay. But I just want to mention that two people that come to mind. But again, you know, every theologian, preacher, and end times teacher would, would, you know, say different people through different seasons of history. Okay. So just, I may be completely wrong. I probably am. I mean, I'm just saying those are the two that fit the bill now. I don't think either of them are. I haven't seen any proof of that, but you never know. So uh, let's keep going though. Is this, is this good? You guys learn something right now? Okay. Next week, we're going to talk about a second beast that comes. You're like, oh, great. There's two of them now. Great. So next week, we're going to talk about the second beast in the latter part of Revelation 13 and how that ties directly to Satan. We're going to unpack uh, that message next week. is called the devil's last days and how to overcome evil. And so Satan kind of has like this peak power moment. And then, of course, he drops off and, and, and God takes care of Satan in the end. And we'll talk about what that takes care of, meaning he kills him in the end. We'll unpack all that next week. So be sure to be here. Also, next week's message will be how to overcome evil in your own life. And so you're going to want to be, want to be here uh, for that. So let me keep going. So number one was that you are, we will be persecuted for believing in Christ. Number two, Christians will face social and economic exclusion. It says in Revelation 13, verse 16, also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name, which we know is 666. Now, before you jump to the conclusion of what 666 means, John himself, who wrote Revelation, said, it's a mystery to me. He basically said, I don't know. So he, you know, did Scooby-Doo. You know, he did, he's like, oh. He has no idea. So he doesn't know either, but he still wrote it by the divine inspiration of God. Now, one thing we do know about 666 is that it's one number off each of them from 777, which is perfection, which represents God. So it could be that it just mirrors God, looks a whole lot like him, but it's not, which fits, of course, the Antichrist, right? Because he, 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 he wants to come across as messianic, even though he's not. 
Okay, so people put their faith like, oh, we can believe in him. He's going to take us to the promised land. People will believe in him like, they, like, like zealots believe in their favorite political candidate. Oh, this person will change our country forever. It will just be perfect if we could just get them in office. And there's people that believe like that about their favorite candidate. And so that's why this will be a political leader first that will then be political, almost ideologically uh, religious-like, that people will, will just fall in love with them. This will not, when you hear the word beast, you think something ugly. No, this guy is probably going to be super good-looking, very charismatic. He will, he will make women swoon and men will get teary-eyed like, oh, I just love this guy. That's what it's going to be like. And so it's going to be pretty crazy like that, but that's the truth. So Christians will face social and economic exclusion. A couple of signs that I see with this. Number one, a digital currency clearly would be the easiest way to put everyone in slavery very quickly. And the reason why is because if I have cash on me, you'd have to come steal that physically from me. But if I have a digital currency and you have to be in charge of digital currency, if you don't like the way I think or what I said or did or acted, or if I didn't fall in line, you just go one button and boom, they're broke. They just shut down all the currency. Like I can't buy bread. I can't buy gas. I can't pay my electric bill. So it's just very easy to control people with that. Now, I'm not trying to say crypto is evil. That's not a problem. The problem is if we get down to one digital currency, the fact that we have a lot of them, it's hard to control. But when there's one main one, they shut down everything else, that is when we've got a problem. Now think about this for a second. Years ago, credit card companies actually did this. They actually tried it and there was so much pushback from Christians, they backed off. But think about your card now has a little bitty digital footprint in it. Did you realize that? And so it has a, it has a little reader inside your card. And so now it's so good, you used to have to stick it in, to, right, to pay. Now you just get near it, right? Boop, it just pays. If people say, oh, it's just so inconvenient because if I lose my credit card, so you know what, we'll make it more convenient. Just we'll make your credit card on your phone. And so then you can use your phone, just scan your phone, you're good. But what if I lose my phone? Oh, we have something for that. You can put the little same chip in your hand. It's so easy, just pay for your drink, just boop, good. I want to pay for the milk, boop. I want to pay for my restaurant, boop. So convenient. It's also very convenient to shut that off anytime they want. Does that make sense? And so... They actually did try it. Social scientists tell us the two areas in your body that, uh, that uh, have the least wear, meaning they don't get injured typically, are the top of your hand and your forehead. Why? Because you, something's coming at you, you would duck with your hand, you'd pull back. So it's normally the most protected part of your body. So this would be the most natural places to do it. Now, I know you're like me, you're like, never in a million years would I ever, I don't care what, I would immediately be like, uh, no, I'm not getting a MasterCard put in my arm, right? Like, we're not doing that, right? Because we think like that. But if you don't think like this, you'd be like, what's your problem? They would think, what is your problem? You're just weird, one of those weird religious zealots. I'm just trying to, it's just convenient. But again, convenience oftentimes is the first step towards slavery. So Christians will face social and economic exclusion. We already see a little bit of this politically when someone uh, says something that other people don't like, they get canceled, they lose their job. Uh, now it's gone further to where banks say, we don't, we don't want to work with you anymore. So we're, we're shutting down your accounts. You can't use our credit card systems. I mean, wow. And it's funny because if we don't agree with them, we think, oh, you know, good for them. I'm glad that happened to them because they're mean and I don't like what they said or what they did. But they're kind of practicing what they can eventually do to all of us. If they can do it to one person, they can do it to any of us. And so that's what's scary about that. Again, the fear is not a, a, a cryptocurrency. It's one cryptocurrency, it's one digital currency that would be the real danger. Billy Graham also said, the Bible tells us that the state of the world will grow darker as we near the end of the age. So 
that will be reality. So how far will it go? Revelations 20. Now, we started in Revelations 1, 2, and 3. Now we're going all the way towards the end of the book, Revelation 20. It says this, then I saw some thrones and people sitting on them who had been given the power to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been killed because they were faithful to the message of Jesus and the message from God. They had not worshiped the beast or his idol, and they had not received the mark of the beast on their foreheads or on their hands. And so they were killed for their faith. So number three, Christians will face torture and death. Now, again, I want to remind you, we are not here. If you're already a Christian, okay, we've ascended to heaven with Christ. He came back to take us home. We're not going to go through this. But if you have not accepted Christ and all of a sudden it seems like half your family's gone, that means the rapture probably happened. And if that happened and you now accept Christ, you will go through this. Okay? So my recommendation, accept Christ today. You can skip all this. That'd be kind of nice, right? I'd like to just fast pass right past all that and go straight to heaven. That sounds like a better deal to me. So. But I also want to mention that martyrdom is not exclusively to the end times. That happens today. I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but, you know, like several of the pastors we supported in Ukraine, they're no longer here. They were killed in the war, you know. Uh, Also, some of the work we do in the Middle East, uh, we've had missionaries that have been killed too. So this, this happens all the time. And so that's the price of doing business for God. Is that some people lose their lives. I mean, it's really true. We, we're, we're so comfortable with that not happening in our country uh, because of the great police uh, that we have. And as much as you may not like everything that's going on in our country, we still are relatively way safer than most countries. And so, uh, so we have that benefit. But if you don't have the benefit, it's just warring tribes. They don't agree with you, then they'll just kill you. And so I, I go to the ChristianPost.com a lot, and there's always new articles about Christians or pastors who were killed or they threw acid on them or they jailed them or whatever just, just for sharing their faith. So this still happens to this day. It goes all the way back to Acts chapter 7 where Stephen in the Bible was stoned to death uh, for his faith. Christians will face torture and death. But number four, there is a limit to what God will allow us to go through before he takes us home. Revelation 3. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of the book now. Revelation 3. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who will dwell on the earth. Um, I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. So I believe we will not be here for most of this, okay? Now, let me say this before I go to the next section. If you are totally panicked right now, you're not hearing this message loud and clear. We are going to be fine because Christ has us, okay? And so I just want to reiterate that before we go any further. Now, I want to shift gears and I want to challenge you with these four things, four statements, how to thrive in chaos or how to thrive in the end times. The first is this, trust in God's sovereignty. What does sovereignty mean? It means God's in control. So even if things seem crazy, he is still in control. I love this verse, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Let's stop there. We lean on things, don't we? You know, when, when life is hard, when you're having a tough day, when you don't feel like, quote, unquote, adulting, right? When you're having a tough season, it's easy to go for the what? For the hit, the click, the sniff, the sip. It's easy to go to something else to lean on. But God says, no, no, no. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding of how to do things, right? Don't lean on, on this world. It'll, it'll, it'll break you. Lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. In a crooked world, God says you can walk a straight path. But how do you do it? You acknowledge him. So this means even when things are going really bad in your life, this applies to today. 
I just want to encourage you. Maybe, maybe you're like, Pastor, I can't even think about the end of, end of the world. I feel like my life is over. My, I feel like I'm at the end of my marriage. I feel like I'm at the end of my job. I feel like I'm at the end of my money. I'm, I feel like I'm at the end of my hope. I want to encourage you in all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? That means even things are falling apart. You say, Jesus, I acknowledge that you're with me. I acknowledge that you're with me in this divorce. I acknowledge that you're with me in this legal battle. Lord, I acknowledge that you're with me in this depression. I acknowledge that you're with me as I go to 12 step. Lord, I acknowledge that you're with me in this addiction. Lord, I acknowledge that you're with me in this betrayal. Just, just God, I just acknowledge you're here. When you don't know what to do, just acknowledge that there's a God who's with you that does know what to do. Isn't that good news? Like, I can hold on because God is with me. Don't forget that that's the message of Christmas, right? Christ is with us, right? He came, okay? So he's with you. Number two, seek wisdom and comfort in God's word. James 1 says, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. Doesn't say sometimes he'll give it. Occasionally he'll give it. If he feels like it, he'll give it. If you're really smart, he'll give it. No, just ask. God, I just, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do, God. And God will show you clearly what to do. So when you look at our crazy world and you're like, man, I don't know what to do about all this. Just say, God, just show me what to do. Take it one day at a time. We're not gonna be able to fix all the world's problems. Just take it a day at a time. God, I don't know what to do about all this crazy stuff they're introducing to my work that I don't agree with. It goes against my beliefs. Just go to work. Just go to work. And if you face something in that moment, just stop and pray under your breath, God, just show me what to do. Just show me how to respond. And he'll show you in the moment how to respond to that. He really will. And then number three, give your worries to God. Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication just means praying for others. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. I love this. This is where you get the peace. Like maybe you're having a really tough time and you're like, oh God, I don't know what to do about my kids. You know, they're, they're, they're not acting right. They're making bad choices. But here's how you pray. God, I want to thank you in advance for the way you're going to turn my child around. See, see, do you hear the faith in that prayer? How about this? Oh God, I don't know what to do about the world today. God, I want to thank you in advance that you've got the whole world in your hand. I want to thank you in advance that you've got my problem in your hand. I want to thank you in advance that you've got my cancer in your hands. I want to thank you in advance that you've got my addiction in your hands. Whatever you're struggling with, just, God, I want to thank you that you knew the problem was coming before it came to me and you already know the day you're bringing me the solution. I want to thank you that you are a solution God. You are thy so you're the source. Everything else is a resource. You are the source and you can trust in him. Give your worries to God. You know, almost every football game I watch is pre-recorded because I preach on Sundays. And so, you know, I used to preach on Saturdays and Sundays, so college games, NFL games, whatever it was, I'd always have to watch it later, pre-recorded. So on Sundays, I have a little rule that all my friends and family know, do not give it away whether my team won or lost. And so when people come up there, they're like, you're going to like the game today. I'm like, oh, you just told me they won. Like, just, like, you can't do that. You're ruining the game for me, right? So I, every once in a while, someone blows that for me, and I end up knowing what the score is going to be before I watch the game or, or knowing whether they win or lose. So when someone says, like, oh, you're going to like the game, I'm like, oh, I already know now. But I still go watch it. So I'll be watching the game. And I notice, you know, in the third quarter, they, they have a fumble or interception or something bad happens. And they're, they're, they're below, you know, the score, is they're, they're two up on them. But I don't get discouraged. I'm like, I already know someone already told me that we win in the end. So I'm not worried about it. So as you see the world falling apart and everything is going wrong, I want to tell you something. Someone already told me. We win in the end. So don't freak out. It's going to be okay. So just be encouraged. Give your worries to God. So what are we supposed to do then? 
Like now that I know all this, okay, so it's the end times and it's crazy and, you know, we don't know what's happening next. What do we do? Number four, focus on eternity. Focus on eternity. What does that mean? Through spreading the gospel, the truth about Jesus, further and faster. And that's what we're doing as a church. Scripture says in Colossians 3, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Get your mind focused on making a difference, right? And so I just want to encourage you today that, you know, we, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our annual offering. It's an above tithe commitment that we make. And uh, my wife and I are making the largest gift that I can remember us ever making to God in one year. And we're just, we're going all in. Why? Well, what good does my money do in the savings account if the end of the world happens? And so I want to, I want to be responsible and safe for the future if it doesn't happen anytime soon. I understand that. But I want to lean more towards if it does happen. And then trust the Lord to make up for any, anything I give that he'll more than replace it, which he always does. And so we are going all in to give bold. So maybe, maybe in your mind, you've always thought, you know, one day I'm going to give a million dollars to God. This is probably a pretty good time to do that. One day I'm going to give a six-figure gift to God. Probably a pretty good year to do it. You know, one day I want to, and some of you right now are like, oh, I can't even think about that. Well, what is large to you? Remember, Jesus only pointed out one person's giving in scripture ever. He said, hey, look at this lady right here, this widow. Look, look, at she, she gave a penny. Look at that. But she gave everything she had. She said, this is all I got. It's going to go to God. So she trusted the Lord with it. And I'm pretty sure the scripture did not tell us that she starved to death the next day. God provided. You can trust the Lord. And so I just want to challenge you to prayerfully consider what God would have you do in the next couple of weeks. Maybe you, you want to start early. My wife and I started literally about six weeks ago giving because we have a certain number we're trying to hit. So we've been saving for it and giving from different, you know, different uh, sources. And, and I, want to, I want to hit a big number. And so we had to start early to do it. So I want to just encourage you to prayerfully consider what God would have you do. You know, right now, did you know that we're part of the offering? The very first portion of the offering is going to go towards our, our work in Pakistan. And I love that because it's just so real and raw what's going on there. But what's amazing, God's blessing it. You know, in two years alone, our work in Pakistan has reached over 80,000 people. That's, that's, that's 10x to what we're doing here in the States. It's unbelievable. And so we really believe it's an incredible cause. But also we're doing our work, you know, not only in Pakistan, but around the world, also locally. God's really moving to the church right now. As crazy as it is. God is doing a great work. We just ask you to, to get on, in on that. You know, we talk about the end of the world, but I want to show you a quick video from a friend that goes to our church to where it may not be the end of the world, but it was the end of her world as she knew it. But yet she took a horrible tragedy and made something good out of it. Check this out. Gabe was unlike any other person I'd ever met. He was full of life. He loved to give. He, he was ornery and, and grumpy at times, but just your normal teenage kid with a heart of gold. He never met a stranger. We used to say that he could make friends with a tree. He always wanted people to laugh and have a good time. If you weren't, you weren't enjoying life. He saw kids at school that needed lunch. He needs to be like, Mom, I need Whataburger, five meals, and whatever, whatever. And he just saw a need, and he filled it. And people at that age don't do that. They're really looking at themselves. Gabe had a good friend and said, 
come to Church Unlimited. And he went and he was like, Mom, you've got to go. This is the kind of church we should be in. I, you know, he felt connected here. So that was nice. He, he brought Kat and I to this church. I love that. That morning I had made a plan with the kiddos that I was going to go see a patient. And I was going to come home and I wanted them to do a few tasks while I was gone. And so they went to Walmart and I just cleaned the house while they were away. And then Kat called me. It was just this past Sunday in the middle of the afternoon. Police say Billy Ferguson stabbed Gabe Cooley, a local high school football player, in the crowded store. Witnesses say Cooley was standing in the middle of one of the aisles when Ferguson approached him, stabbing him several times. And she said, Gabe's been stabbed. You need to come up to Walmart. And so that's the only message I got. I just remember thinking, well, maybe it was a little knife and maybe it was just a little poke in the arm and maybe it's just, you know, maybe he just can't play soccer this year, but he's going to be okay. I guess you just try to hope for the best out of a worse situation. But they did say that we could go see him, so they let us go in a police car back to the hospital. And so you got, to, you got to go say goodbye. Which was, which I really needed. Yeah, yeah. I never was angry with God. I never put blame on God. You gotta blame who's really responsible and it's the world that we live in. And if we're not making the world better, then, it, then we're the problem. I was very thankful that you prayed with me on the phone because at that point we knew Gabe had died. I had the community support to help pull me together. And I had family support, but only my relationship with God has healed my soul. Ever since he died, and just a little mantra that I say that if I can't make memories with him, I have to make memories for him, about him, because of him. What happened at that point where you made a shift and you said, hey, we wanna, we wanna take this horrible memory and remember the, all the good of Gabe. We were blessed by our community and they really supported us. And I took some of that support and I called you and I said, I, I would like to donate it to the church. I know that the church would use the money well. The complex is beautiful. You know, yes. we've got basketball, volleyball, soccer. It's so neat to see it out there and, and to have a, a place where you can go and see and remember Gabe and his friends can go to. We love that, it's beautiful. The only way I feel good is when I give. I feel so bad for everyone who didn't get to meet him because they won't understand. No, but the testament of people who've met him and say how he changed them is unbelievable. I think his message would be to all of us is every day wake up and you got to maximize your gifts because it might be your last. Amy said, the only way I feel good is when I give. Love that. How powerful is that? Maximize your gifts because today may be your last. So true, isn't it? Let's do what we can with what we have where we are. We could change a lot of lives. Would you bow your head with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray. Just want to encourage you today. Maybe you've always wondered 
you know, what's going to go on in the world and when is it all going to be over? And maybe today even made you a little anxious. I want to encourage you to say, God, I want to trust you. I just, I know that you got me. I know you're going to take care of me and my family and I, I can trust that. Maybe your prayer today is that you've never given your life to Christ. You can receive him by praying a very simple prayer. Just pray this prayer with me right now across all of our campuses, those online. Just say this. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just pray that prayer, we believe Christ has come in your life. Would you just lift your hand high right now? No one's looking around. If you just gave your life to Christ, just hold your hand high. Thank you. Thank you. All the way in the back there. Praise God. Just hold your hand high. Thank you. Anyone else? Just hold your hand high. All of our campuses right now, just hold your hand high. Praise God. Thank you, Rodfield. Praise God. Thank you, Rockport. Hold your hand high. Padre Island. Thank you. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Stone Oak. Just hold your hand high. If you're online with us right now, you can let us know in the text chat. Just text my hands raised or click hand raised right now. We thank God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, that we can be prepared, Lord, for whenever the end is, is going to happen, Lord. We know it's near, and God, we thank you that we know you're going to call us home first. Thank you for those who just gave their lives to you, that they'll be a part of that roll call. Lord, thank you, God, that we'll be called up one day to heaven. Now pray, God, that we'd be faithful until then, telling the world about Jesus. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.